busy time of year, people traveling, things going on, to read responsibly together as our call to worship. So if you would stand with me, and then I'll read the top portion on the slide, and then we'll read together the bottom portion in bold. So Stacy, if you want to put that first one up there. We're always looking for evidence of God that God is with us. In the midst of darkness, God brings a new light. That sign is in the one to come, the one that God is sending. Thanks be to the God of light. We want to know for sure that everything is in God's care. And so we cry to the heavens in our distress. Our cries are heard. God is responding in love and hope. We come before God with eager and expectant hearts. Amen. You may be seated. So last week, Jane and I got to spend a week in Santa Fe. It's a, it's a very special place to us. It's where we spent our honeymoon, and we've spent um, a lot of times over the years, over the years, but we've never been there during Christmas. We've never been there during December. And so we were wandering down to the plaza one night, and all of a sudden we saw this big group of people. And who do you think we saw? Kate, who do you think we saw on the, on the plaza? Got, well, close with that, we saw Mary and Joseph. Yes. <laughs> yes. We saw Mary and Joseph walking, and they were accompanied by kind of a mariachi band, but not really a mariachi band. I mean, there was an accordion and a big guitar, and they were singing in Spanish. And it was the processions of Las Posadas. Has anybody ever seen this? Las Posadas? I mean, it's awesome, right? So what happens is Mary and Joseph, they, they're walking, and everybody's singing, and they're like, can we find a place to stay? Can we find a place to stay? And you come up to the first side, and the innkeeper comes out, and he goes, no, there's no room here. Of course, it's all in Spanish, right? So I ought to have you be doing this, Ellen, with that, right? But he's like, there's no room here. And the crowd is walking along, and they've got their candles lit, and they're like, boo, they're booing the innkeeper, right? And so then they start up the song again, and they go to the next side of the square. And again, the innkeeper comes out. No, there's no room at the end. And everybody's like, please let him stay. Please let him stay. And they're just like, no, and they're mean innkeepers. And so they go to the next one, the third, and the same thing happens until they get to the last side. And at the last side, instead of saying no, the innkeeper comes out and he says, bienvenidos, welcome, come in. And then more musicians come out. And then they all sang Silent Night in these wonderful songs. And it was magic. But it was also poignant. Because there was something about walking with Mary and Joseph at that time. There was something about having to be told no. Even though it was all, it was all reenactment and everybody knew what was going on. But still, as we walked with this couple to hear no... You're not welcome. No, there's no place here for you. No, you can't come in here. But literally, by the last time, by the last square, we're like, come on, please. Like, let this poor couple in. Let us in. 
Have you ever been to that place where you felt like every door you went to was closed? Where you felt like every answer to your question was no? Where you felt like you needed help that you could not provide for yourself and no one was willing to give it. That was the situation that we felt that night. And that's the situation that we see in our text today. So I'm going to read. It's a lot of, it's a lot of text. I'm going to read, but instead of the words being up on the screen, we have some images taken from history from different places that will get it. So I want you to put yourself in the position, just like Jane and I did last week in Santa Fe as we walked with our candles around the square. I want you to put yourself in the place with the story today as we read about Zechariah and we read about Elizabeth. So during the reign of King Herod of Judea, there lived a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division. He had a wife named Elizabeth who was a descendant of Aaron. They were both righteous in the sight of God, following all the commands and ordinances of the Lord blamelessly. But they did not have a child because Elizabeth was barren. And they were both very old. Now I'm reading from Luke 1 anyone's reading along with this. Now, while Zechariah was serving as a priest before God, when his division was on duty, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to enter the holy place of the Lord and burn incense. Now, the whole crowd of people were praying outside at the hour of the incense offering. An angel of the Lord standing on the right of the altar of incense appeared to him. And Zechariah, visibly shaken when he saw the angel, was seized with fear. I'd be scared if I saw an angel too, right? Would you be scared? Yeah, I'd be really scared. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. You will name him John. Joy and gladness will come to you, and many will rejoice in his birth, and he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He must never drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. He will turn many people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go as a forerunner before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to their children and the disobedient to wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared for him. Zechariah said to the angel, How can I be sure of this? For I am an old man. My wife is old as well. The angel answered him, I am Gabriel. Like, you get the image that the angel was kind of like, hey, I'm going to give this message. And then when he was confronted, he's like, dude, hold up. You know who you're talking to? I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you, to bring you this good news. And now, because you do not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time, you will be silent and able to speak, not just for 30 seconds like we did a minute ago, but until the baby was born. So over nine months. Until, and he said, you'll be silent until these things take place. Now the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they became to wonder why he was delayed in his holy place. When he came out, he was not able to speak to them. They realized that he had seen a vision in the holy place because he was making signs to them and was unable to speak. When his time with service was over, he went home, and after some time, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant. And for five months, she kept herself in seclusion. She said, this is what the Lord has done for me at the time when he has been gracious to me to take away my disgrace among the people. 
And then she sings a song, we skip down a few verses, and it came, comes now for the time to have the baby. Now the time came for Elizabeth to have her baby, and she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced. On the eighth day, when they came to circumcise the child, and they wanted to name Zechariah after his father, but his mother replied, no, he must be named John. They said to her, but none of your relatives bear this name. So they made signs to the baby's father inquiring what he wanted to name his son. He asked for a writing tablet and wrote, his name is John. And they were all amazed. Immediately Zechariah's mouth was opened and his tongue released and he spoke to blessing God. All the neighbors were filled with fear and throughout the entire hill country of Judea all these things were talked about. All who heard these things kept them in their hearts saying, what? Then will this child be? For the Lord's hand was indeed upon him. Then his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, because he has come to help and has redeemed his people. For he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke through the mouth of his holy prophets from long ago, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. He has done this to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our ancestor Abraham. This oath grants that we, being rescued from the hand of our enemies, may serve him without fear. After all this time of waiting, after all the fear and the appearance of the angels now, because God has done what God has promised, fear is overcome by love. Fear is overcome by the promise fulfilled. In holiness and righteousness we will serve him before him as long as we live. And you, child, this is talking to John, will be called prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his way as we've studied over the past weeks with Isaiah. Making low the hills and high the valleys. To give people knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of God's tender mercy, the dawn will break upon us from on high and give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet in the way of peace. And the child kept growing and becoming strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day he was revealed to Israel. Friends, we know the love of God because of the promises God keeps. God does what God promises. There are five primary names for God in the Old Testament. Not just one, but five primary ways. And it became, in a way, it became so, not confusing, but it became, it became such a challenge that eventually the Jews of that time began to call God the name. They didn't use any one of the particular names because each name by itself lacked something or went a different way. And so eventually, they just, they just called him the name. And they, they got to the point where they wouldn't write the name of God. They only used consonants to describe the name. And they wouldn't utter it. Today, if you go to an Orthodox Jew, they will not utter the name of God because they say God's name cannot be caught in one thing. But there is a way to speak of God that is true, and that is this. 
the one who does what is promised. We know God because God does what God promises. Which is a tremendous, a tremendous comfort. It's a tremendous encouragement unless that's not the way we feel. Because sometimes, many times, we wonder. Sometimes even when the angels visit us or we get the word or we get the promise or someone prophesies or someone says it, our response is, it's been too long. Sometimes the angel says, this is what I promised. God says that. And we say, where were you when? Sometimes the promise is made and we say it's past time. There is no more chance. Sometimes the promise is made and we say it's too late. It's over. It's done. It's finished. And sometimes... Out of God's great mercy, God seals our lips shut. Seals our lips shut and makes us wait. Seals our lips shut and makes us wait and watch. Seals our lips shut and makes us watch and wait and see. And it may seem like forever. But then when it does happen, when that promise is fulfilled, we have a choice. See, the thing is, we would like to say we're all like Zechariah, right? We're all like when God gives us a promise and we wait for it and we have to wait for it and we have to wait for it and we don't see it coming and it looks like it's beyond all hope, beyond all redemption. And then when it finally does happen, we would like to be the ones who respond, blessed be the Lord. But even then, we have a choice. Even when it is fulfilled, we have a choice. Do we respond? Because we can still disbelieve. We can still refuse to speak. We can refuse to speak out of spite, out of habit, or out of fear. Thank God Zechariah spoke the way he did. But more than that, thank God Elizabeth led the way for Zechariah by her faith. Elizabeth led the way in this story. Zechariah is responding, but Elizabeth here is the one we are to imitate. She had the faith from the first, the faith that received the words of the angel like water received to a woman dying of thirst. Elizabeth said when she heard the promise, yes. Elizabeth said when she heard the promise, I knew you could. Elizabeth said when she heard the promise, I knew you would. After all those years. But it's still difficult to wait. Whether we are anticipating and whether we respond with yes, or whether we respond with how can it be. We still have to wait. Just because Elizabeth said yes doesn't mean that it happened right away. They still had to wait, as all of us have to wait for certain things. And it is difficult. But Advent is the ultimate story of God accomplishing what God said God would do. 
This is how we know love. Love is God doing what God says God will do. Of love conquering fear and doubt and pain and oppression and ignorance and injury. God's pure, unconditional love is the key part of the Christmas story. It is the ultimate focus of the Advent. God's love found in the person of Christ is what transforms us in unimaginable ways. Answers our longings. Validates our waiting. Honors our suffering. Heals our wounding. Enlightens our ignorance and redeems our sin and mistakes. That is love embodied, enacted in these things. God doing what God says God will do. It's the boundless love of God, promised and delivered, that offers us the Holy Spirit, infused life of hope, peace, and joy that we all long for, that we're all waiting for. So if the worship team, Bailey and y'all, want to come back up. Today we will share this table together. Today we'll take together the promise, the enacted love of God. As we remember that love, we've lit the peace candle and the hope candle and the joy candle. And today we light the candle of love. That is what is portrayed at this table is love. See, this just is, isn't symbolic, although it is, but it's more than that. This is evidence of the promise fulfilled. This table is evidence of the promise fulfilled. That no longer how, no matter how long we have waited, no matter how much we've longed for it, no matter how much we've suffered, God has provided for our redemption, for our salvation. That's what's evidenced at this table. So we invite you to come up. We won't dismiss by rose. Just come up as you're ready. Take the elements, hold them, sit close, and then we'll all take them together in a moment. And thank you for being here.